0: Welcome back to the show, guys. It's John Clark from Private Practice Workshop, helping you build a better business without all the overwhelm. And I'm excited to introduce my guest for today. It's Avivit Fisher. Um, she is here to talk about marketing in your private practice. She's a certified digital marketer. She spent a decade long career in corporate marketing um, and project management as a designer and an art director. She has a master's in design management um, and helps therapists in private practice grow their business and um, really hone in their marketing. So I'm excited to hear more um, about uh, your background, kind of who you are and how you got here. And then we'll get into exploring uh, marketing today. So, um, yeah, uh, how how how, um, how did you get here and what else should people know about you?
1: Well, uh, hi, John. Thank you so much for having me, first yeah, of all. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, work with therapists in private practice and I help them gain the business and marketing skills that they never learned in grad school. Um, And I do it through coaching and consulting. And I work with uh, therapists on uh, mainly on strategy, um, setting the strategy, really. Um, I help them with brand strategy, with marketing strategy, really working with their business goals um i work with therapists who just start their private practice and they need to attract new clients and also i work with uh, more seasoned practitioners who need to um, level up and figure out what's working what's not working with private practices maybe um expand to new location and basically grow so um i started working with therapists um a few years ago actually um like a lot of people who go into uh, get interested in mental health um, I was impacted by a personal tragic event that happened to me uh back in 2015 in which uh the building where I lived with my family burned down and uh everybody lost everything including my own family and you know, after that, I was kind of trying to figure out, trying to navigate how to heal from that. And I was looking for information online, how to um, overcome this emotionally. And really, I couldn't really find anything helpful. I couldn't really find anything. I found a lot of things about insurance, <laughs> I found a lot of things about yeah. you know, practical steps, uh, but there was really no information from a mental health perspective. And it took me about a year to find the right therapist. Um, You know, I went through stages that I wasn't looking that I just sort of gave up. But but then it took me a while. And um, as a marketer, I saw a big gap between what people are looking for when they're looking for help and how therapists present themselves. So I really wanted to step in and try and uh, help close that gap. uh, Yeah, With therapists.
0: And let's talk through some of the the gaps that you that you originally saw or maybe that you see now in terms of therapists that struggle with their marketing and then, you know, on the other side of things, um, therapists that are doing really well. What are they doing differently?
1: Um, I see um, the, the successful therapists that I see. Um, and when I talk about seeing successful therapists, I'm talking about online mainly. Um, because most of the searches are done online for, for any provider mm-hmm. at this point. And I see that the therapists that do it really well, they have a really good marketing message and they have a mm-hmm. very defined, uh, defined brand, right? So they know who they are. They know who they're trying to attract and they know what they're saying to those people. And when I was looking for, for a therapist, um, I didn't um, see anybody speaking to what I was going through and maybe that is not a huge population of people who go through a house fire but you know some people go through traumatic events and there is there wasn't really somebody who was speaking to that There was a lot of mm-hmm. you know people who wrote about their specialties about um, uh, treating uh, people with trauma but Um, I don't really know if, if I experienced trauma or not. I I don't self-diagnose. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people like me now there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because there can often be some gap between how we describe what we do and how consumers Mm -hmm. look for it, right. And understanding how to speak the language of the consumer and, um, and to understand kind of what a consumer might search in order to get to you Um, using the trauma as an example. There's, there's a lot of people that don't know what trauma is or what PTSD is or assume that it's only for, you know, um, uh, people who've been to war, whatever it might be. And so certainly some relevance there in terms of uh, um, how important our content is as well, which can educate people on, who we are and what we do, or a blog post or a video that talks about what is trauma and, you know, breaking it down in plain language for people to understand, am I in the right place? Is this what I am in fact dealing with? Here's a bunch mm-hmm. of different examples of trauma and here's how trauma therapy can help, right? Or even within the world of trauma therapy, there's there's just so many uh, approaches to trauma ther- therapy in particular that um, the that, that people could could take interest in. And um, yeah, it's quite vast, but uh, it it seems like a lot of therapists will start their marketing and really their practice without any sort of strategy at all, right? They'll just kind of build a website or hire someone or like get a website company to, to throw up a template, you know, with their name on it. And, you know, even if you get traffic to that site, for instance, it doesn't necessarily mean people will um, call right sometimes the if that strategy is lacking if the message is really lacking then it'll all be pretty flat
1: yeah for sure and you know also a lot of times for a lot of therapists attracting the clients might not even be a problem but attracting the right kind of client that you want to work with the the clients that you know um that fit the criteria of people that you want to work with and you want to help that that's the problem usually i i I think especially i i find it right now where everybody's so busy uh right i know my clients Mm -hmm. are very busy you're probably very busy Mm -hmm. and um your colleagues and um you know it can be very overwhelming um receiving a lot of calls um, and a lot of requests for information from people who don't really fit that you know criteria of people that you really want to work with
0: yeah yeah absolutely so what are some of the questions that you might ask a therapist when you start to work with them if they let's say they haven't even opened their practice yet or maybe they've opened but they're um, not getting what they want out of their their marketing Uh, what are some of the questions Uh, you asked them about and what's your process like for working with therapists?
1: It's very interesting because people uh, start working with me, expecting uh, me to give right away like marketing tips, how to, Mm. but we really sort of step back and I'm trying to understand. um, I'm trying to understand what, first of all, what they want to accomplish in their practice and what kind of people they want to work with. Um, We try to define you know, the ideal client, I'm sure you, you know, mm. th- that's a term that you've you've heard and many people have heard. Yeah. It. And that makes people very nervous. That makes therapists very nervous because they think that th- this is the only person that they're going to be attracting. But um, it's it's sort of a learning curve. So I'm trying to explain that you really need to create an imaginary dialogue with that person. So I try to really understand what we really go deep into, how would this person look for you? What would they be typing um, on Google when they're looking Mm -hmm. for you? What kind of questions they they have? Um, And a lot of times the questions that um, my clients think that uh, the people are searching for are not the same questions. So I'm trying to, I'm asking them to sort of Recreate the conversations that they have with, uh, I don't know, with with clients or somebody that they've worked mm. with and what kind of questions they're asking them. And then I go through an exercise of cre- of creating a list of objections because there's a lot of objections to, you know, especially when, when you get the first call, a lot of people don't call back or don't show up and whatever. Mm. So we really go through the exercise of understanding the objections and trying to... Um, really address those, those objections, because when you can address those objections, you can, when you can really dive into the mindset of mm-hmm. that ideal client, it's much easier to create that conversation, um, in your marketing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mo- most therapists skip over all of this stuff and just jump right into, you know, creating a page or creating a site and, um, yeah, what happens is when when you choose, when you don't choose to speak to anyone in particular, you end up kind of speaking to no one, right? And just yeah. saying, I'm a, just another therapist on the block. And that's not nearly compelling enough when, especially when, you know, a lot of therapists out there are, in fact, differentiating themselves and doing this this kind of deeper work to figure out who they are and who they help. There is that fear of committing, right? And there's that fear if I choose this particular type of client, then I won't see anyone else, which is simply not true. Uh, one analogy I use for that is your niche is really just like a one door through which people enter your house. Once yeah. they're in your house, guess what? You know, someone that comes in with trauma also ends up dealing with relationship stuff and anxiety and maybe addiction and whatever it is. So, Many of us are specialists, but we are also generalists in that we can, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we can do EMDR for trauma, but once they're in the door, we can also help with other issues in their life, whether it's, yeah, again, social anxiety or relationship stuff. Um, most of us are kind of equipped to be able to, uh, to help people with that stuff. And so the real danger is not picking a direction at all and just having this kind of, um, this brand that says nothing, right?
1: Exactly. And like from a client perspective, I can say that one client, when a client likes to work with a therapist, they will stay with that with that therapist for a while, yeah. and some people stay for years, and they will recommend that the therapist. They will, yeah. you know, there's going to be a lot of referrals. So it's it's an important thing to really dedicate time to think about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of therapists we are hesitant to spend money on marketing, or even let's say you do have a good idea of who you help, your client avatar, mm-hmm. have a good message, good site, all that stuff, and you're running ads, but you're afraid to waste money. Um, a lot of therapists fail to look at the lifetime value of a client. Like you said, some if they come for you know four weeks or six weeks mm-hmm. or whatever it is, um, and you spent a hundred dollars to acquire that client or even two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. then um, Uh, you know, but you earned a thousand or a few thousand, most therapists would take that deal. If a client comes and is, you know, uh, a regular client in your practice for four years or whatever it is, um, and that, that work continues on, then the lifetime value is tremendous. It's thousands of of dollars, you know, um, uh, every single year for all that time. So it can be really uh, significant. A lot of therapists are also just uh, hesitant to try something. They're afraid of failing, and so they um, they don't want to make costly mistakes. But sometimes those costly mistakes are what needs to happen in order to you, in order for you to figure out what you want, or sometimes what you don't want.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I found that uh, a lot of therapists are just intimidated by marketing in general. Yeah, um, and especially digital marketing. And because yeah. there are so many channels, there's so many tools. There's just a lot yeah. um, and it's easier to just sort of shy away from that but um, you know and and part of my work with my clients is sort of like you know calming them down you don't have to use any every social media platform out there you mm-hmm. don't have to you know to use everything when when you really understand what your brand is about when you really have a marketing strategy then It's much simpler. You don't have to try and fail so much. You 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 don't have to. There's no trial and error as much, Mm. and it's cheaper.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot cheaper. Yeah. I mean, a private practice is is among one of the the cheaper businesses to start, especially um, given that we don't require a lot of like physical goods or inventory or uh, opening. You know, a big restaurant and renting a space or furnishing it with, you know, cooking stuff. There's a lot of therapists are kind of bootstrapping it and saying, uh, I, "I can only spend a little bit to get this business off the ground," and um, I think that often gets in the way of being able to just try and experiment or pay for good help and getting your practice off the ground. Um, so, yeah. So, so what what else do you see, or you know, presently in terms of what successful therapists or full therapists are doing differently than those who aren't?
1: I think that, um, you know, successful therapists are really amplifying their message. Um, and I know a lot of therapists are starting, and some therapists that I've worked with are starting um, sort of short-term therapy, sort of kind of like programs. I, w- I, w- I, w- I, w- I don't know how to call that, <laughs> but for, for coaches it's programs, but, um, and some are going into starting um, courses, um, Online courses, and um, but really, a lot of people that I see, they just want to, um, they just want to thrive in their practice, and. Um, you know, uh, have a profitable practice and just not be overworked and exhausted and not burn out in the process. So for me, a measure of success, it, whatever your goals are, is when you are enjoying your business, when this business can sustain you and you're not dying, trying to do all of that. Yeah, That's the measure of success for me. And this is what I see successful therapists do, like create this sort of right balance. Yeah. For
0: themselves yeah i'll make a quick um you know plug here if you guys are watching live on youtube now is the time to ask your questions um in the chat we like to do this live so that we can interact with you all um very curious for, for those here live you know what are you doing with your marketing how well is it working um uh do you know who your ideal clients are uh, even into the nitty-gritty of what platforms are you marketing on etc um and then, yeah, I even put in the chat, if you're here live and you want a, a quick review of your website, you could drop your URL in the chat and we could take a look and you know use that as a jumping off point for more conversations. Um, we do have a, a question here from Jacob who says, what are the most frequent legal or ethical mistakes that therapists make? Um, I've got some thoughts about this. Uh, one thought that I have is, you need to to look at what your board says. So a lot of this has to do with the state that you're in. I would say honestly, uh, pretty much everything, and uh, from this question, has to do with the state that you're in and what your board says, your licensing board says. I think a big uh, part of uh, a big part of marketing and your website is and doing it ethically is we can't make big promises, right? We can't guarantee results in therapy. That's a, a you know one of the biggest things that I think a lot of boards would agree on or might have particular language around is that we can't say oh we promise you'll be cured of your anxiety in six sessions or less or your money back or whatever it is um, we have to be you, you know the same way in your informed consent when you tell clients that therapy result, results are not guaranteed therapy can be quite difficult therapy can also cause you know people to feel worse before they feel better because talking about the tough stuff is hard, right? Um, and that might be in, in your informed consent. You also might have a page, like a frequently asked questions page, on your site that's that has that answers questions like this: of like, how long does therapy last? Do you guarantee results? What if, um, what if will I feel worse, right? Or do I have to talk about the difficult things in order to to, to move past it? You. You know you might think about those common questions you get from your actual clients and then make a page about it i think that would be a great way to serve those people and also just a great piece of marketing collateral on your site so yeah
1: yeah and to add to that um i would say that from a marketing perspective it, it is challenging when you can't guarantee a result uh, some kind of like a outcome but you um can talk about the process about the work process um, and about yeah. the, and about um, your philosophy. You're t- you can talk a lot about um, things that are not necessarily guaranteeing an out- outcome, but show you um, in a positive light and show you how you can um, really help people go through that process of therapy. So.
0: Yeah, you can, we can't guarantee results, but one thing you could do, Jacob, is you can point to some of the research that says that you know uh, this percentage of people um, recover from their trauma through EMDR, or in the average of six sessions, people reported feeling some relief from their trauma through EMDR, whatever it is. So, I think that's a, a a potential kind of workaround to this question or this point of not promising results is we could point to some of the research and say, here's here's what the academic research says in terms of how effective this stuff is on average. And you could even link to those articles or summarize those articles. So I think that'd be another interesting way to to build trust, right? Because trust is everything in marketing, right? And um, people are looking to see, are you trustworthy? Can you actually help me? Um, uh, Is this going to be a good investment of my time and energy um, and my money, uh, perhaps most importantly for some and we want to do everything we can to demonstrate on our websites that yes the answer is yes to all those things um yeah another question here this is this is um, starting to pick up here so we have uh Stefani says or stephanie says um i've been told i need to rework my website to give my niche my niches their own specific pages i'm wondering if i should hire someone to help me write copy or if it's doable on my own kind of two questions here and, uh, maybe if you want to, you know, you know, chime in here, the first one is kind of, do I need different pages for the different niches on my site, which this, this question can be interpreted as like, I have different niches like EMDR and couples therapy versus I I'm one practice that does different services. That's kind of one question.
1: I mean, I think it's common to have different pages on the website for different niches because you a lot of times you you serve more than one type of population. But um, when it comes to hiring somebody to help writing a copy, I would say that it's almost always better to hire somebody if you um, are not in the position to hire somebody than maybe um, to work with somebody who can direct you. Um, I do a lot of... Um, work with my clients in which I really we, we sort of construct their copy for their website for particular pages because what I found with therapists is um, you guys love writing and you do a lot of probably um, writing in grad school and in school in general and a lot of it um, is peppered with jargon words and it's it it's um, it reads very like a school paper a lot of times and To write effectively for a website, you need to have this marketing perspective. You need to to write to the person who's reading it. And um, it's always, I think, best to have somebody else to either proofread or guide you if you cannot hire somebody. But if you have the ability to hire somebody to write write your copy, I would always recommend that.
0: Yeah, I think that's good advice stephanie one thing i would say about creating the marketing message or the copy is uh and we have lots of content about this on this channel in terms of how to write copy um keep it to what i call third grade language no greater than third grade language so um the the brain wants to expend as little amount little energy as possible to comprehend what you do people don't like feeling confused and overwhelmed so you don't want to confuse and overwhelm them in their practice in in your practice. Also, guess what? People are already overwhelmed. Um, That's part of why they're seeking your help. So third grade language. And if you have a third grader nearby, even better, try to explain to them what you do in very basic language. Um, And uh, yeah, non-clinical language. You can also think about, um, you know, we call this the marketing uh, sandwich, uh, the before, during, and after of helping someone. So let's say you do EMDR for trauma. Make a bullet point list of what their life is like before EMDR and think of an actual client that you've helped. So, a bullet point list of all the pain points the internal pain points, what they think about this, the thoughts they have about enduring their trauma, the external, how it affects their life. Um, they're so anxious they can't go to work or they're avoiding certain places, the kind of philosophical problems. Uh, what does this mean about my life? Am I always going to be stuck with this trauma? And then that's where you insert kind of how you help and that EMDR can help and you can help. So you position yourself in the middle and then you make kind of a complimentary um, list at the end of how their life could be different as a result of your help. So once they've kind of worked through their trauma, how could life be different? They're feeling calm again. They're having, uh, finding their confidence again. They're going out, they're getting back to work again and not having this flooding of emotion maybe they're more connected to the people they love because their trauma is, is in a better place. You get the picture. So again, the sandwiches before, during and after, um, or or before, yeah, before and then kind of how you help. And then after, that's just a quick and dirty way to think about your copy.
1: That's a a good way. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, next question from Eric. Eric says I'm a first year student at Western seminary, working on my MA in counseling question is um how does an aspiring therapist choose an area in the nieces or areas of specialization
1: do you want to answer that or... go for it
0: you can if you want to jump in you can and we can talk I, th- I, th-
1: I think that it's it comes with the experience like i mean you have to experience uh working with different people i guess that's my that's my take on it. I already work with people who, who have had experience working either in an agency or on their own, um, and they sort of have an idea of what they enjoy. Um, when it comes to what you love doing, what made you go into therapy in the first place, and what you're passionate about.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think... Um... I think that's good advice, Eric. Um, You don't know what you don't know yet. From a brand perspective, if I were you, I would try to create a brand, everything from the name of the business to the URL that is flexible enough for you to pivot. If you don't know what you don't know yet, you don't know what you want to focus on yet. So for some therapists, um, in your case, Eric, this might be a kind of what I would call a personal brand. It would be ericfordmft.com or ericfordtherapy.com. And then you can kind of shape that brand into whatever the current focus is. The other way to look at that, though, is that you may eventually outgrow that brand. It's going to be hard to hire other clinicians under that brand. And so for that reason, I generally recommend that you um, do kind of a generic brand. If you're going to spend years and years building a brand and a site and doing SEO and Getting traffic and all that, you might as well build something that you can sell. I made this mistake the first time, my first practice in 2013 when I made JohnClarkTherapy.com. Uh, that was that business, that brand was worth absolutely zero dollars to anyone not named John Clark. Uh, and then I I didn't make that mistake the second time when I um, built my second practice in Charlotte and was able to sell that practice eventually and sell that um that brand and everything that went with it so for that reason i I generally recommend uh, what i call a generic brand or just some a brand name that's not your name um yeah
1: um i just want to say that if you're still a student and if you are not sure and if you're working on your personal brand um i mean one way is to just look at your natural interests what, what what you gravitate towards and build on that and i think that um you know you can do it either on your website like agree you with your own personal name or you can do it socially there's a lot of ways to sort of test things and a brand is a thing that it does evolve it's not a static thing it it grows sort of with you and with your profession
0: yeah if you let's say you have some idea names for like a generic brand name and you're not sure which one is the best you can take those put them into a google survey and then send it to um Uh, Maybe people that are not therapists, (laughs) you know, uh, friends and family or people that are like your ideal client that could vote on the business name. And at that point, you just pick something and you keep moving forward. Um, Brands will come alive over time. Uh, The name itself matters less. Um, the word Google didn't mean anything until it was Google. The band name Pink Floyd or the two words Pink Floyd didn't mean anything until Pink Floyd became Pink Floyd or Red Hot Chili Pepper. So um, things can, can be branded in surprising ways, uh, including in therapy practices. Um, Kathy says, as a clinical hypnotherapist slash spiritual healer, I don't take insurance. How would be the best way to market myself without a network? It's a good question
1: um would be the best way to market yourself um you can use your local network natural like what people did before before google um you can um sort of you know introduce yourself to local businesses that that would be the easiest way and the um most co- cost efficient way um but also you can use google and you can use um you know you can create a, a profile on google business page um, and create um social media accounts and um you know start connecting with people on social media that might be of interest to you or might be um fit the type of client criteria that um you uh define for yourself
0: so my approach kathy has my approach to marketing if you guys have been following me a while has has never really included networking so if you're saying i don't have a network or maybe i don't have time to build one or it's just not my style right um then that's the kind of marketing strategy that i generally teach um in our fully booked program the program in broad strokes is essentially um uh uh, get clear on who you are get clear on who you serve so we've been talking about this ideal client avatar today um And then from there, you're dialing in your marketing message. So having a really strong and compelling website with clear messaging and strong calls to action. And then our marketing strategy is entirely focused on Google. There's only three sections of Google. Google Ads, Google My Business, which is kind of the Maps view, Google Maps. Um, That's your Google business profile. They're just changing the name of it. And then SEO, so appearing organically in search results. I am uh, obsessed with getting... Uh, into all those three in all three of those categories on Google for relevant search terms. So if I were you Kathy, you also have to figure out is there overlap between my focus areas of being a clinical hypnotherapist and a spiritual healer. My guess is that you might be better off marketing them separately. Clinical hypnotherapy in Dayton, Ohio or whatever it is, spiritual healer in this place. Now, it it depends on if people are looking for this stuff, right? So I might think I'm really onto something. I'm really good at what I do as a spiritual healer. Well, from a Google perspective, if people aren't searching it, it's not going to really matter. You can be amazing at what you do, but if there isn't search volume and demand to support it, then it's the whole thing is going to fall flat. So that's one thing to do is to do some basic um, keyword research to figure out are people searching for these relevant services in my area? You can look on Google Keyword Planner. You can look on Google Trends. You can use free tools like Uber Suggest. Um, lots of ways to to, to look at this, um, and then from there, yeah, you're building you, you're building your brand, or in your case, could be two different brands. And uh, I'm doing everything I can to show up in all three of those sections of Google. Which, um, again, we have a lot of content on. We also have um, an entire program called Fully Booked, that's dedicated to this. Um, before we um, continue, we got time for maybe one more question. Um, uh, I want to make a quick plug here that the Doors to Our Business Made Human program just opened and are closing um, again here in a few days. So, this is a weekly mastermind helping therapists build a, a purpose driven business. We also teach a weekly curriculum in that program everything from getting clear on your vision for your practice to Google Ads or SEO or marketing or Managing cash flow. We have um, a lot of lessons on running a group practice and team culture and things like that. So it's kind of a business essentials course um, that's layered on top of a weekly mastermind. So if you're interested in that program, uh, now's the time to, to jump in. Go to privatepracticeworkshop.com and uh, click on Business Made Human. And again, those doors close on Tuesday, the 15th. So if you're interested in that program, that means you and I need to hop on a call this week to um, talk about uh, if you're a good fit for the program before we kick things off. So yeah, let's see if we've got maybe one more question before we um, start to wrap things up here. And, and lo and behold, we do. And it's from our friend, John Doe. It'd be funny if that was actually your name. Maybe it is. I bet there are a lot of actual John Does in the world. John Doe says, "I had a thought to reach out to a small small businesses slash agency to partner, i.e., offer low rates. I wouldn't offer low rates. Um, that's not a good way to stand out in a market. Might this be an effective way to market slash build a caseload?"
1: Um. So I, what, what I would, what I would, I would agree with you. Lowering your rates is never a good strategy because it's very difficult to raise them yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But um, it depends what kind of businesses. It depends, again, it depends who your ideal client is. If your ideal client, um, I don't know, let's say, um, if you you work with children, it's always a great idea to reach out to pediatricians. It's always a great idea to reach out to businesses that also, um, you know, have clients, uh, children as clients or their parents as clients. So you really need to be selective uh, because you don't want to – it takes a lot of time to network, apropos networking. It takes a lot of time to network, especially locally, especially with small businesses. Um, And um, there needs to be a real intention behind it. So I would go after the lowest hanging fruit of reaching to small businesses that work with your ideal client. So maybe you can refer to each other or – uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. The, you know, one kind of um, tagline or, or catchphrase that to think about in marketing is um, it's easier to stand out and be different than just try to be better or in this case, be cheaper, right? People don't necessarily want a cheaper product, right? And in fact, in our case, um, cheaper therapy often indicates less valuable therapy. So I just, again, I really don't want to I don't want to endorse, you know, um, charging less as a way to stand out. Um, in fact, I, I would say the opposite charge more if you want to stand out and be seen as a true expert in your area. If someone's looking at two therapists and we look almost identical background credentials, same license, maybe we even have the same hairdo and my fee is 75 per session and the other person's is 250 a session. What's the basic inference you make? Well, the second therapist must be a whole lot better. Um, boom, boom. Last question. We'll wrap up on kind of an interesting again, interesting one again from our friend John Doe. He says, thanks for the insight. I'm thinking like in the ways better help partners with major brands or companies. How do they accomplish this? Man, this might be a, a soapbox for me. These companies are not, companies i want to um mimic if you ask me the they're creating partnerships like influencer you know marketing and having actors and musicians and people on instagram saying hey i had mental health struggles and then i got better help sign up using my link they sign up with the link and maybe they get a cut or they, maybe they offer a discount like a hundred dollars off or something if you sign up with this link and then the influencer gets a cut of that they get an affiliate or a commission Last time I checked, most boards that we report to, we are not allowed to earn affiliates or commission for passing therapy clients around. So, how is BetterHelp able to do this? Um, massive legal teams and tens of millions of dollars of venture capital funding. That's how. So, uh, again, John John Doe, I, I understand your um, your your idea with this in terms of trying to offer an incentive for people to refer to you. I just think there's better, more better ways, more ethical ways to do it as as a therapist in private practice. And again, we can't charge referral fees or affiliate fees for for clients. It's just against our ethical boards. So um, there's just better ways to stand out and market yourself.
1: Yeah, and I would add to that if I have anything um, really focusing on your brand focusing on what differentiates you and your uh, and your practice from your competitors uh, would be the better use of your time and really developing a marketing message around that and um, you know reaching out to um, you know other pro- maybe medical providers, maybe other businesses um, with that message. And showing them, you know, but that referring to you would really benefit their clients. Would be a better use of your time, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, there we go. That's well said. Um, uh, I'll make one more plug here again, guys. Our, our Business Make Human program is open now. It's going to be closing very soon. And Stephanie just booked a free consult with me. She booked an application call just now during this uh, this interview. So. Um, Stephanie, I look forward to chatting with you about your practice and, uh, seeing if you're a good fit for our, our program. Um, um that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, Avivit, how, how can people, um, kind of hear, learn more about you, get in touch to work with you and, um, any free stuff you, you have to give away and then we will, um, we'll wrap things up.
1: Sure. I have a lot of free stuff to give away. (laughs) That's first of all, you can find me on my website, redstrategy.com. It's R-E-D-D strategy.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and on Instagram. These are the main social media platforms that I use. And on my website, you can find um, free resources, free marketing resources that you can download. Um, There's quite a few of them. Um, as well as um, there is a newsletter that comes out every week, a weekly newsletter that I'm sending, which uh, has mental health um, industry and business trends, um, and it's sort of new so, uh, I would say um, sort of like a compilation of different news throughout the week that has to do with mental health and that can that gives my insight and how, of how to use those this news and those um, trends to really help your private practice grow. Um, and uh, you can sign up to this new newsletter. There's a link um, on my Instagram, and you can sign up to this new newsletter um, on my website as well. Um, So, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, resources um, that I'm offering, and um, you can contact me um, anytime at avivit at redstrategy.com. I love having email conversations about marketing, about branding, about business in general, and I hope to hear from you.
0: Cool, thank you again for being here um guys, thanks for joining us. We had a very lively episode and lots of great questions answered live um If you didn't make it live, definitely keep an eye out on our email list for future episodes coming up where we we run all these live on YouTube so you can come and ask questions and you know, it makes the show a lot easier on our end to have all this live um, interaction and and great content to jump off of. So um, thank you again for being here. Um, Again, if you're interested in Business Made Human, our weekly mastermind program, head to privatepracticeworkshop.com. Click on Business Made Human to book a call. Otherwise, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Thanks again, and uh, see you soon. Cheers. We'll be